All right, we're recording. Second episode, finally. Ben, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into it. Dexter, new blood. Mixed emotions. So, I should have gathered my thoughts about this before, but, like, my main takeaway was, like, I don't know that it could have ended any other way and not, like, jump the shark. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they kind of had to close it with this season. With him being gone or done. Gone. Yeah. 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 Because, like, I don't know, a lot of shows leave, will, like, get canceled or whatever, leave some open-ending thing and never come back. And this one, like, I fully expected. Like, you know, at the end of season eight, I was just like. It was so terrible. I was just like, what? What does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, you, you let Deb die, and then it's, you know, here he is. He's a with woodworker. A yeah, with a lumberjack. <clears throat> For such a good on. show, it was such a terrible ending. And so, like, <clears throat> like I, I really didn't expect it to ever come back on, but like, I'm glad they ended it with him dying. Like. And, and clo- just clo- me too so it, it doesn't leave hope for you to yeah. think oh it's gonna happen again my my only bad feeling was was i get he had been away from it he hadn't done it for years he was changed but then when he started doing it how bad they made him at making mistakes and he was so good was, in the, <clears throat> and then she just happens to go on google and it's like bam i busted him so like all we needed was google yeah. in the first that Seasons one through eight would not have happened with the internet the way it is these days. Like, especially with the podcast angle, like, there's so many. That's <clears throat> a good take on it. What what was it? Two thousand eight. Six. Is Six. When it came out. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they had Google, but it wasn't like not to the extent it is now. It, it was still in its adolescent phase. And, like, now it's just, like, information's just pervasive, you, you know. Yeah. You can't get away with things. They said it was the highest premiere of any Showtime show, like, most viewed. And the the creator, he said that he was waiting on Showtime. If they want to do something with Harrison and keep moving forward, he's I would watch that. Yeah, I would, too. For sure. Because I felt like we didn't get enough of, like, was his just violent outrages or did he really have what right. Dexter had is he sociopath I don't think so he doesn't act like it yeah he's like natural around people if you look back on like seasons one through eight, or really in season one when they do all the flashbacks of young Dexter he was so socially <clears throat> awkward you can see him like making mistakes like that first the first time he kills that nurse that was like drugging his dad in the hospital yeah, yeah. He, he didn't know what he was doing, and he's just, like, almost kind of feeling it out. And I think that's kind of, like, the main difference between him and Harrison. Harrison was, like, he's he's comfortable around people. He seems like a normal person. Like, Yeah, he was able to connect way more than Dexter was. People knew Dexter was different. Yeah. Everyone that – and Harrison just fit right in with the crowd. Yeah. Like, nothing was wrong. I do. I was like, when he killed the cop, the one that was the coach, I was like, why did you do that? But then when Harrison was like, he was a good guy, that, that helped tie it for him to do what he done. Yeah. It, well, yeah, that's 
I think that's the only re- the only way Harrison could like do what he had to do. It it made Dexter fit the code basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you watch back, I listened to the the podcast that goes along with New Blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you watch back, like whenever he's got the cop in the headlock or however he's got him, it's like. He cracks his throat or neck or whatever, however he kills him. Yeah. Breaks his neck because he's, like, trying Trying to get get loose and all that. Past, get away from the gun that he's got pointed at him. It's not like he purposefully, you know. Yeah, he didn't really want to. Meant to kill him. Yeah, he had to do what he had to do to get out. Yeah. But have you watched uh, you, any? It's very, it's got a Dexter feel to it, but I, it's a lot more. I gathered that it did of a woman like you know it's got the romance feel to it, but it, yeah. it's it's definitely worth the watch. But it's not it's definitely not Dexter. But Dexter's just it's <clears throat> it's got such a special like I don't know that's that's probably not the best thing to say, but I, <laughs> I feel connected to Dexter because like so when it was when I was first watching it, I was like first like in my infancy stages of drug addiction yeah and like you know dexter on the surface is about a murder but murderer but it's about addiction like that's yeah he needed that <clears throat> that higher that right it every time a, he killed it was his it was, fix yeah and uh so like watching that show you know i had this connection with him that like made me feel like really dark and weird like him so it was like yeah i can, I can and see when, when it comes back now i'm sober he's you know beginning of this new season he's been abstinent for several years mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like just this these this set of circumstances happens and all of a sudden he's like just immediately back in yeah. it. he doesn't even hesitate like it just it happens and then he's there yeah. And, like, I can really relate to that, you know, having had relapses before. It's just, like, <clears throat> he wasn't planning on ever killing anybody else. He was yeah, trying to do the, the right thing. the biggest douche in the world well, when the yeah. guy come on there. But oh, that guy, I wanted to kill him. But. <laughs> well, since you brought that up, you're coming up on five years. Five years. That's, that's awesome, dude. March 27th. So, <clears throat> what... What part when when you had your addiction was was it an escape or is it just? That's a loaded question. Yeah, um, that or is it just stuff you dealt with and it was easier to do that, like not to think about it or to. Easier so. To... Here's the, the best way I can explain it. For me, like, and for a lot of addicts, <clears throat> like I remember the first time I had an opioid painkiller. I woke up like two in the morning with a toothache. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my dad gave me like a half a Lord tab he had in the probably bottle. Probably prescription yeah. or something, yeah. And, uh, cause I was, I mean, I was crying like on the couch, <clears throat> miserable, just, you Yeah, know. toothaches are terrible, dude. And, uh, I wasn't looking for, to get high. I was, you know, in pain. Yeah. 
I take it 15 minutes later, this feeling that, like, <clears throat> what it felt like was, like, this is the way I was wanting to feel my entire life. Like, it just, it filled this, <clears throat> this hole. Yeah. Like, and it made everything okay for, like, a few hours. It, it, yeah. The pain was gone, but also, like emotional pain was gone like I wasn't worried about stuff I was just like this is I didn't know this was an option yeah you know <clears throat> but you a high stress like anxiety or I deal with anxiety a lot myself like I had to find different ways like yeah. now reading like reading books and stuff has been good to help me and just other so, things that I find along the way I didn't to keep me from stressing and worry about just every stuff you you should really just brush yeah. away. Sometimes I'll, I'll wait, be awake in bed and just yeah thinking on one thing <laughs> that shouldn't be thinking on for thirty minutes. At know? the time, I didn't know the word anxiety <laughs> for it. I just I knew that I you know never really felt normal. I was just like always in my head thinking about stuff. My first like escape was books. Yeah, which you know it's still a good one, but like. When I read books, like, I got The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe back in, like, third grade or something. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, when I was reading that book, everything in the world was fine. Yeah. Like, nothing could touch me as long as I was, like, in this other world with this book. Yeah. And there's definitely a <coughs> parallel there. And yeah. <clears throat> but, no, like, I... From that, you know, first time using, like, well, I was you know needed it medically i was in pain yeah that's how it starts a lot with and, most people anyway and like i filed it away you know in my brain like this is an option i can feel yeah. this way sometimes yeah but i didn't like intend on you know starting to, to get pills all the time yeah and that was you know i was 16 i think and it wasn't a thing you know it was just like all right i know this exists yeah but it, it didn't like immediately become a problem and then uh you know later on through the years you'd get a prescription here or there for tooth pain or knee pain or something and mm -hmm. like at some point the switch finally like completely flipped and it was like all right i really I feel so much better when I'm like this. So I'm just going to try to feel like this all the time. Like I felt like I was a better version of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was easier to like, have a conversation with. I wasn't always in my head thinking about stuff. So that's one thing I've always <laughs> thought was so interesting about you. Honestly, you, you have a different way of processing <laughs> stuff and like the way you think. I always found that to be interesting. And, and that's the thing. Like, these days, that's an asset. That's, like, something I'm proud of is that I'm – and when I was, you know, in high school, I liked the fact that I was different. Yeah. You know, that's no secret, I don't think. No, the first that's time a, I met you, I <laughs> – Like, I made a Not point. in a bad way, but I was like, this, yeah. this guy's a little different from what I'm yeah, used to, yeah. especially in this small town, right. the way people and think. I, and I made a point of it to, you know, mm -hmm. to latch on to the fact that I'm different. And it – you know, it made it where I can make friends in, like, any circle of people. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, but it also wasn't necessarily the best thing because a lot of times it like it, it comes along with like losing my own identity in a group of people. Yeah. Or I'll kind of just like meld into this group and like what they're doing and everything. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I think some of that goes along with high school and peer pressure and it, everything it, else. That's too. a standard high school thing. Yeah. Like high school is one of the most stressful things I think you'll go through as a as a person in you know all together. It absolutely. Really if it's not a traumatic experience for you, then you're probably wealthy and privileged <laughs> yeah but exactly <laughs> for everyone else it's it's a it's like a complex trauma it's not one well for some people it's big trauma because they get you know picked on and bullied, bullied and beat up and yeah. whatever but for like most of the regular kids it's just a complex trauma it's like years and years of just little little things that go wrong and like you're trying to figure it out and I can remember like the first time somebody looked at my shoes and was like, oh, you got this on. I'm like, wait, what? Is this a thing? You know? And it was when I moved up here. I was like, mom, they said my shoes weren't good. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Oh, man. I had to pay less. <laughs> they had like a shark in places, a Nike swoop or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Same. Those little things like that. Like, like I, if I, my kid came <clears throat> to me complaining about that, I'd be like, these kids you know but from the kids perspective that's like that's important that's like yeah you know trying to define yourself in a group of people and like yeah be, i remember be she okay went, my mom went and got a pair of nikes i don't even remember what they looked like and just because that sign was on there I'm like, oh look he's got this on so yeah. i was like plus it was my first year living up here too so i didn't know anybody so i used to compensate for it by like We'd go to the thrift store. I found like the, you remember the Patrick Ewing signature shoes with yeah. the 33 on the no. back? Yes. And the little, I had a pair of those and I was like, this is going to do it. This, <laughs> this is going to like make people like me. Yeah. And like, you know, the black kids that play basketball loved me for it. They were like, this dude's got the old school Ewings on. Yeah. You know, I was like, all right. And got- ever since then, like my mom wouldn't give me much when I was in school like in school but she made sure i had good clothes after that so now to this day it's kind of turned me into like a sneaker head almost like yeah now i don't do it near as Which much is, because of having my own kid but it's funny how then, like the things we do to kind of survive and get by earlier in life a lot of times become things we're passionate about like yeah you know i related to like punk rock kids and stuff that I found on the early internet because I I didn't know punk rock from anything. I was in Dozier, Alabama, which is like nowhere. But I found this, this like group of people that I like latched onto and that like became that it was something I did to like find a, you know, you were definitely punk rock when you first come here for sure. I still, you still have that vibe though. it's it's all a big hodgepodge now, but <laughs> yeah, it like became something that, and it was it was more than just like me trying to fit in somewhere. It became like a kind of an ethos to live by. Yeah, in a sort of way. Yeah, it's funny you bring up punk <clears throat> rock because just this past year I started listening to it because when I was younger, 
I kind of almost with the clothes, I stuck with the trendy music to try right. to know what so everybody knew. Fit in and, yeah, and yeah. when I got older, I started just going to all of this other stuff. And then there's a, a woman wrestler that debuted at a different promotion, and she went by Ruby Soho. And I was like, why do Ruby I know Soho. that? Ruby Soho. Yeah, I was like, how do I know that? <laughs> it's a rancid song. Yeah, so then I started listening to rancid, and I get on Apple Music, and it just keeps going and going. I was like, I've missed out so much in life. <laughs> you know? It's, it's such a... Like that melodic punk rock like that, it's, it just it's sparks something in my brain that's just like freedom and and like good times. And it's funny because a lot of the songs are about like addiction and like hard living and stuff like that. Runaways and, and stuff, <laughs> you know. But it's there's a there's an element of freedom in it that's just like I don't know, it fills a place that's something's missing from in my brain for me. While we're on music, I, s- I noticed the yeah, Tyler Childers here. Yeah. yeah, and then you're big on Billy Strings now. I n- yeah. I never saw you go in that route. It, it's been a long... Not that it's a bad thing. It's been a long, winding road to get there. Uh, so, like, <clears throat> not to harp on it a lot, but, like, to go back to addiction, like, in the end stages of it for me, Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll hope it's the end stages as far as I'm, I'm concerned it is yeah but uh like music had kind of music's always been like my home base that's like it's where I feel most comfortable at but it had kind of like just like I still listen to music some but like yeah most of the days I was listening to audio books and things just to because it like kept my mind off keeps your attention instead of <coughs> just going and thinking about something when the song's in the background so like in the later stages of addiction i just like didn't play a lot of music anymore guitars Mm -hmm. were just like sitting in cases yeah and uh i remember on the way back from rehab driving home just like every song that came (coughs) on the radio was like it was like brand new again yeah like all those neural pathways were starting to fire again fire and like I, st- I was caring about things again and like you know crying in the car listening to some pop song from the 90s <laughs> that wilson phillips song <laughs> dude that one will still get me today uh that or any stan bush song from the 80s that stan make you want to like <laughs> he done um i must have missed that one What's the Transformers, the original movie? You got the touch and oh. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, like every song he had would have you yeah. wanting to climb a mountain or something. It's like, ah. So anyway, when I got, you know, started, you know, so I, like I work a twelve-step program to stay clean. That's my deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started noticing like certain musicians. Like there's a lot of them out there that are also in 12-step programs that write songs that before I didn't, I didn't know what they were about. I just knew it was a good song. Yeah. But like a lot of them have, you know, deeper meanings now that I'm clean. Like I can. You can connect to it or yeah. get a feel for it a lot more And now. so uh, I think Sturgill Simpson was probably the first like. I guess what you'd term alt country, mm-hmm. uh, independent country artist that I like really connected with because he was singing about some like 
just off the wall out there stuff yeah. in like a like a classic outlaw country type feel like meta modern sounds and country music that album like it feels like a Waylon Jennings album or something yeah but it he's talking about like just all kinds of different stuff and like drugs is some of it mm-hmm. and uh so I was like yeah I can like actually relate to this country music this is like storytelling and like you know it's got substance to it it's not pop music with a country that, accent that to me <clears throat> like no matter what genre of music it is when it's storytelling you can right. always connect to it instead of it just yeah. being a clinging hook that everybody's yeah. gonna get stuck in their head and especially like <clears throat> Appalachian music you know bluegrass that's Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers and those kind of guys that's like their roots mm-hmm. is like Appalachia and so that I heard uh Tyler Childers knows to the grindstone, which is like about addiction. Mm-hmm. Like on the face of it, it's very obvious, you know. And like when I heard that dude's voice, it just was like this guy is like this is the truth. When he sings, it's like the truth. Yeah, what, he's not putting on an regardless actor. of what words he's saying. Yeah, like the feeling I get is like this is truth. What what he's singing, like he believes it and feels it with everything. Yeah, and so like, you know, still to this day, he's probably my favorite artist at the moment. Yeah, for the past few years, but I have to say, watching your playing over <clears> the <throat> past years is, is it's gotten. You were always pretty good, but I, well, you, you, you know what happened is I started practicing. Yeah, <laughs> and but with sticking with something like that and practicing and getting better every day kind of helps you to form another addiction that helps it's, a healthier one. I guess. I wouldn't, Mm. Is, or is it that an, not the is way it to put an addiction? It? It's a it's a coping mechanism. Okay. My fingers might say it's an addiction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been playing regardless of the consequences to this cut I've got on my fingers. So yeah. Yeah. I kind of do the same thing with anything <laughs> that fixes my brain. It's like I want to take it and just like mine it for everything it's worth. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, so I got into some bluegrass through Tyler Childers and then like Billy Strings. I had, me and Wes had seen like, you know, we used to look at guitar videos most Random of the time at G&H when we were working, quote unquote. And uh, at some point way back then, we'd seen like Billy Strings. What kind of a guy calls himself Billy Strings? Like he better be really <laughs> good. Yeah. Like otherwise... This is bad. Yeah. <clears throat> and like, just using we a clicked on, to get your name out there. Right. <laughs> and we clicked on the video, and he's got, like, these weird sunglasses on, and, like, he's a really weird-looking dude, and all of a sudden he busts out dust in a baggie, and it's, like, the best flat-picking bluegrass stuff that I've ever seen because I don't know anything about bluegrass. I'm yeah. just like, this guy's incredible. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have a lot of stuff out back then, and so, like, I came back around to him, in sobriety and I'm like I gotta figure out what it is that this guy's actually doing on guitar like the technique. this is or different than anything I've ever played before and so yeah that started me with him and like he's got a lot of songs about like addiction and recovery and things mm-hmm. things I can relate to just like most Appalachian or 
He's from not Detroit. Anyway, somewhere up north. But anyway, mm-hmm. he plays bluegrass. Yeah. And uh, a lot of bluegrass stuff is like, you know, about hard times and stuff like that. Yeah. And he's got his own past with drugs and stuff. So, like, but it was different than, like, you know, Steve Vai or all these virtuosic guitar players. Yeah. Like, I can listen to that and love it. But it's got a shelf life. Like, I'm not going to keep going back to the same songs over and over because it's just yeah. like, this is technically amazing, but it's not a song. It doesn't, like, speak to my heart. Yeah, when the lyrics aren't there, it's not the like. Yeah. I like why he's never been on my top of the list. Like, I, I don't connect to his music as much as I do Satch, probably. But Satriani's more feeling, I think, than technical. Yeah, I get more he, of a feeling from his got, playing, even though the lyrics aren't there. You yeah. just feel it in the playing. And yeah. like there, There's a guy named uh, Andy James. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Mm-hmm. But he's similar to them, mainly instrumental. And he got... Maybe it was Five Finger Death Punch picked him up when they lost a guitar player. But I, I love watching his stuff, and he's just really good and really fast, but he's got a satch feel to him. Yeah. You know? But I feel you on that part. Like, you can look, go back and listen to that stuff, and it's nice, but it's just not the same as having something with back to the storytelling, really. Yeah. And, like, like a live performance, when I saw Steve Vai live at the Beltwell Auditorium and I was, like, <clears> 10 <throat> feet from him, I can connect with that. Yeah. Like, it's there's wavelengths in the air, and I'm, like, in the room, and I'm feeling it. But, like, on a recording, it's, like, after but one th- listen, I'm, like, They okay. put so much into it live. Like, there's a lot of bands that I never really cared for much, but when I saw them live, I got a whole other appreciation for them. For and sure. Like, even going to see Def Leppard, they were such a radio rock type mm-hmm. feel. But when you go watch them live, Phil Collins puts so much more into I it. I can imagine. It, it's, it's great. I've seen him twice, and he puts on a, a really good show. But, like, um, Seven Dust, I always knew who they were, but when I saw them in yeah. the homecoming in Atlanta. I've heard about their live shows, too. I couldn't hear for two weeks. My ears were ringing. <laughs> like, they, they uh, dope opened the show, then it was Seven Dust, and then Black Label closed the show. But it yeah. was a great show. But I had a whole other level of respect. Like, I started listening to Seven Dust a lot more. And that's that's something I've missed out on a lot in life is, like, just being near live music. Yeah. But, like, like say when, like, they have the Blues Festival or whatever in Birmingham during the summer. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know any of those artists from anybody. Yeah. They're, just, they're local people. But, like, if I go and show up and I'm, like, in person, like, I'm interested in who you are when I leave the show. Yeah. If I felt something, like, I'm going to go to Spotify and, look and, you up and, and like, listen to everything and find <coughs> what good stuff I can out of you. Well, didn't you and JJ go to Crossroads one time? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, that was that was a long day. Hot, um, I imagine, too, out there. Dallas Stadium, middle of summer, like, easily 100 degrees and, like, $5 for a bottle of water. Oh, my God. <laughs> And we, it was like we were in general admission, like second row. <coughs> but that was a crazy show because, like, all those, like, a ton of virtuoso guitar players were there. Yeah. You know, uh, Santana was there. He was cool. Oh, I'd have loved to see uh, Santana. He, he was there that year. 
you know, I've he's watched got, the other ones on DVD. So some he has his own it. thing. <clears throat> you know, he doesn't get away from it, kind of like ACDC. But when you hear Santana, you know you, it's him. You know it's him. It's yeah. it's the same with Slash. Yeah. Like when Slash comes in on a solo, it's that's Slash. Yeah. Like you know it, and it's it's not necessarily, I don't know if it's the <clears throat> notes he picks or what, but he does he does <clears throat> like I can't explain it as much as you. I messed around with him. I know, know. kind of what he's doing, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got his thing that he does, and it's. Perfect. But you, you're talking about going. We went to Ozfest in 2008. Same thing. It was the whole stadium, football yeah. stadium. One end zone was a stage, and the rest of it was people. And I had the bright idea. It was back when Affliction shirts were popular. Uh-huh. I have a black Affliction shirt. hadn't been washed yet, so it's full of, you know, <laughs> chemicals. And chemicals. And weird stuff. Uh, it was the hottest day of my life. <laughs> but such an awesome show, though. They done like a ride for dime thing down there that year. We got to go see his grave and everything. It was a really great show, though. Especially to see Metallica and Ozzy on the same night. You, that's like bucket list bands. Like, <clears throat> I don't even know if they're any good live anymore, but I'd still I'd see them both if they, you know, if I had the chance. It, it, Ozzy done really good considering oh <laughs> eight. You know, he can barely talk, but he get barely holding like, it together. Oh, I want to go to the stage here, and it's like, let's go crazy. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Yeah. But Metallica <laughs> did really well, and they played a lot of stuff. Like, they opened with Creeping Death. I was like, what? Whoa. And and the Throw girl it. that was with me at the time, she was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> wait, Sandman will be here in just a minute. Right, yeah. Just let us get our little time in here. <clears throat> Another sober artist there. James Hep- Well, I think all of them, I guess. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I guess all of them were pretty, yeah. pretty heavy drinkers yeah, back al- in the alcoholica. day. Alcoholica. Yeah, <laughs> and like you see Kurt now, dude, he looks like he's the most laid back person ever. Yeah, <laughs> like seeing him like with some his kind kids. of swami or something. He's like, like, you don't want to come here. I don't like guitar, Dad. He's like, well, yeah. it made y'all a great house and everything <laughs> else. You should try to at least, you know, what a what an iconic band. Especially, can you imagine being what were they seventeen, eighteen years old, James, when they first got started. You could know better. Yeah, somewhere in that range, but and to still be doing it too. I mean, sane anger. They kind of uh, went different, and yeah. plus it was right after his. I can't, I can't fault them for trying something new. No, yeah, I, you know most people do it. They gave us so many good albums. <laughs> you know, there there were a couple songs on Sane Anger that had really, you know, the riffs were still there, but yeah. like the the drums sounded terrible. But Lars always sounds terrible to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's all right. But, like, Death Magnetic, dude. Oh, it was that, great. When that was brand new. Like, y'all came by the tattoo shop. Yeah, I remember that. Out, I forgot about that. And we went out there and listened to it, and I was like, this is, like, this is it. This is Metallica. Yeah, like, this is in what their, they're meant to do. Like, they're in their groove just right, and it's perfect. And they haven't captured, captured that again. Like, that other album was pretty good. Yeah. But it, it did, Death Magnetic had the 80s feel and what they were built off of. It, it, it felt like, you know, early stuff, but it had the production quality of now. Yeah. And so it's like the perfect mix. Me and Wes had just talked about this this week because Zach's new album, the new Black Label album, it's probably his best album he's done since probably 07, whenever Shot in the Hell was done. Yeah. And top to bottom... It was great. Like the other albums, they were 
decent, like Order of the Black, and I forget the other one. It was almost like he, the passion wasn't there, but you know, this is what I do. Yeah. But this album was just top to bottom, man. It was so good. From the lyrics to the, the play and everything, it was top notch. And then for him too now to be sober and to still be doing it like That's, he's doing. Yeah, I just heard that the other day. I was like, That's something I didn't expect. Well, he had a bad issue with a uh, blood clots that was part of it. And he stopped for a while and then went back. Yeah. And then he was like, All right, I gotta <laughs> finally let this trial go. run. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to keep going, but you know Yeah. Not everybody's Keith Richards and that's okay. No, or Alice we Cooper don't need and everybody else. One. I actually saw a meme the other day. It said it was him, Joe Perry, Steven Tyler, all the Mick Jagger, you know, all the guys that's in their 70s. Alice Cooper is like, I don't know what rappers are doing these days on drugs, but they're not doing the right ones when you look <laughs> at these guys. They're still going. <clears throat> so what? what's your favorite concert you've been to? Favorite concert? 2020 I think it was February it was right before COVID like killed everything yeah Tyler Childers and Sturgill Simpson were gearing up to do like a state like an arena tour like big because <coughs> that was right after Sturgill released his rock record uh, wow I can't believe I'm blanking on it anyway he just released a rock record, and it's, like, heavy. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do, like, a full-on stadium tour. And, like, we were the second show in Birmingham. Mm. And it was great. It was, like, like Tyler played everything I wanted him to hear. Mm-hmm. Everything I wanted to hear. And uh, Sturgill did, like, that whole rock album mm-hmm. front to back as it is on the album and then like did all you know the ones the fans were there to hear yeah and it, i mean it was a it was an arena show like it was big loud lights everywhere and all that kind of stuff yeah and that like <clears throat> i was okay with not seeing another concert again for two years because like Cause it was so that, that was like these are two of my favorite artists in in many years like together in one show it was perfect so yeah I'd, I'd probably say mine was Van Halen in 07 just cause yeah. I was such I, a Van Halen imagine. guy yeah it's <laughs> like if I saw Zeppelin yeah we went to uh, <clears throat> it was Greensboro North Carolina we rent a like a church van eight however many yeah 12 pass- passenger <laughs> van something like that and we get up there and when we get to the parking lot there's old cars with the trunks pop. There's nothing but David Lee Roth, Van Halen playing. People are like, you want a beer? Yeah. One dude's got the emblem ch- shaved in his chest hair. <laughs> it was. Just, I felt like I was in the 80s. It was yeah. such an awesome experience. Like, overall, it, the place was like, when you're leaving out of there, everybody's chanting Eddie, and the freaking arena's shaking from everybody screaming. <clears throat> but probably overall, like, sound and play, Wes took me to see Alice in Chains right before I got married up there in Birmingham. Dude, they were top notch. Jerry Cantrell didn't miss a lick. Really? It was it was really good. And that singer, he 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 nailed it. Yeah. That's always so strange to me when like like Journey did it. <clears throat> yeah. And like 
Like, I don't know. I have, always have mixed feelings about that when a different singer comes in and, like, does a good job, like, nails it doing what the other singer did. <coughs> yeah. But, like, when you got so many iconic songs and albums, like, that's that's what you need out of that. Yeah. And then you look at, like, ACDC. I didn't know there were two lead singers, two different lead singers until, like, years and years later. The voice was barely different. I mean, yeah. Bonds was not as raspy, but, I yeah. mean, it was so close. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I always feel strange about that, but the... Yeah, and then they kind of stick like with Van Halen when uh, Sammy came in, their whole stuff changed. Like they're playing, and I love some of the songs with Sammy, but it just like it's it's a different band though. It it completely. It's like you could if you played two of them side by side from the two different eras, but it it sounds like recognize one as the same band as the other. No, because when you listen to Fair Warning and Women and Children first, yeah, that that's some of my favorite playing of his. But then, too, I guess when they had Sammy, he, he definitely was a better singer than Roth, and Roth never really had the best voice, but he was just, he had the overall he was, front man. He was game. Yeah. He was there for the show. Well, like, yeah. He was like, you know. The ultimate showman. Yeah. For sure. He and, just, he yeah, he definitely was that. I mean, same thing with Mick Jagger. He don't have the best voice he, in the world. but yeah, he's, he can't he, sing. His strut on stage and just his persona up there—that's the Stones. But yeah, I mean, he could get up there and sing like the Itsy Bitsy Spider or something, and like he's gonna—he's gonna—he's gonna make you feel it. Yeah, yeah. And he's gonna have you moving in your yeah. seat or standing up. Just yeah, he knows—he knows how to work a crowd. Some people just have that, and some don't. Yeah, that's that's why he's you know in his eighties or something and still. Yeah, still moving better than we are. People still show up for it. Oh yeah, you know, I would definitely go see the Stones. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd like. I'd even go see Guns N' Roses, even though Axel looks like a middle-aged woman. Ooh, you know what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I'm really shocked they even got back together because yeah. it was so bad when they broke up. Yeah, and he just pretty much brings in people and was doing what he wanted to do and fires everybody and he's like. Slash, you're staying. Slash, I'm not sticking around for this. <laughs> well, you're not taking the name. Don't care. Yeah, he's doing fine. <laughs> yeah, he's doing great. That uh, all that stuff he did with Miles Kennedy. I love like, Miles Kennedy though. A he's lot of an people incredible singer. Yeah, like, the he catches a lot of heat, like saying he's nasally. But to me, I love his voice and it fit perfect. Yeah, like <clears throat> go ahead. Alter Bridge. Loved Alter Bridge too. That was like. Like, I, I was a huge Creed fan when they were, like, that was. But how different was uh, Mark Tremonti's playing on Alter Bridge? Like, you got a whole You know what he did? He started practicing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's funny that, like, us guitarists, we get better when we actually start practicing and don't just, like, Stick. show up with our rig and be like, all right, I'm here. <laughs> you know. But, he even sounded better, like, when they got back together for that one album with Creed. Yeah, like that first. Oh, what was the name of that song? That I don't remember, but I remember the solo on it. I was like, I feel Satch, I feel yeah. Eddie. There's Zach. There's it, so many people in that. Right they did there. a lot of learning between the because, like, if you go back and listen to My Own Prison, mm-hmm. like the riff for My Own Prison is classic. 
Mm-hmm. It's awesome, but it's simple. Yeah, very basic. And it's it's like his tone's pretty crap. Mm-hmm. It, it's it was fine at the time because of what he was playing was in drop D, and I was like, what what is this? this and is plus, a whole with Scott's thing. voice, it kind of had to be. Yeah, but like, yeah, when he came when when I heard the first Alter Bridge record, like that very first song, "Open My Eyes," or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I was like, this. <laughs> This is, is the same is it, guy. Is it metal? Is it melodic rock? I don't. I didn't know where to really put it. Have you ever listened to his solo stuff, like just the Tremonti stuff? Uh uh-uh. oh. Oh, dude, it's awesome. Like he's singing and playing, and his voice that, isn't bad. That started coming out about the time I just kind of like stopped listening to that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's and it's I'm, it's got <clears> a real Alter Bridge feel to it, but some of it gets pretty heavy too. But yeah. He, it's definitely give it a listen. It's pretty good. It's like I'm finally starting to get back or to get to a place where like just like for for a lot of years it was like I can't tell anybody I used to be a really big Creed fan. Like that, <laughs> that's like Nickelback these days, right? I, yeah. It's, it, you know, it's where like did they get so much heat though, man? Because Scott Stapp's an egomaniac, or what? I don't know. He seems to be doing better these yeah, days. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a, a Axl Rose-esque kind of guy. But uh, and it, he gave off like a real holier-than-thou kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, since getting sober, if I like it, I like it. Yeah. If it makes something in my brain happen that I like when I listen to it, then I'm... I think it almost comes with <clears throat> age and maturity to, and it, to where it's, the point is it's like, that. I like it, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, like I'm Taylor Swift... I'll listen to Taylor Swift all day. I love it. <laughs> she's incredible. Yeah. For like she's a pop artist. It's not anything that's like technically amazing, but like I can turn a song of hers on and it's like if I've never heard it before, by the end of it I'm like <coughs> I know the hook and like, Oh yeah. You know. And like Adele's one of those for me. Like her voice is awesome, dude, and she's she's got it. Yeah. You know. She's like you know the Franklin level, like, oh, yeah, gonna go down in history kind of thing, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, nowadays it's just like, if I like it, yeah, I like it, and I'm probably gonna like going back to my liking being weird, mm-hmm. like, I'm probably gonna tell you about the fact that I like Taylor Swift, or <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here in Ninja Turtle socks talking to you, right? I'm yeah. never gonna <laughs> get over over that that was something I latched on to as a kid and it's just never gonna go away and Seth Rogen please redeem Michael Bay from what he done I didn't watch it it was very Transformer like if I had to describe I I kind of got that feel from it when I saw the trailers and they were like freaking seven ten foot tall I'm like come on man they're supposed to be the same size as human yeah And, like, even in early production, he was talking about them coming from space. I was like, really? You're going to do it from another side of the moon again? That's, yeah. There was something there. But Seth Rogen got the rights from Paramount. That, and he, he, I can see him doing a really good job. He, all he said, he didn't give much, is I'm going to put the teenage back in right. Ninja Turtles. And that's what you want because they were, yeah. they were fun. Just They were, they were like, kids. Yeah, They were, like, irreverent and made jokes and stuff. And yeah. Like, Messed yeah. up, made mistakes. Order, order pizza to the sewer, and then 
when the guy couldn't find the place, they got the pizza for free. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see what he does with it. It'll be interesting, I think. Well, I hope so. Anyway, are uh, you an Ozark guy? Have you watched it I yet? Started it yet? It's on. It's it's on the ever growing list of things that I need to watch. I will say this: it's one <clears> of those shows to where, depending on how you are with movies and shows. It can get boring at times, but the reason it is is you have to pay attention to every detail for the ending to make sense or they're yeah. all to come together. And but Jason Bateman is great in it, which I like a lot of his stuff anyway. So anyway, pause this. Yeah, I got a piece so bad. All right, <laughs> we're pausing. We'll be right back though. <laughs> 